Hi, I'm Sandy. Great to be here and uh, we're starting a new series tonight called The Psalms, Songs to Live By. Have you ever had a song go through your mind and it just goes over and over and over? You've had that? And sometimes it just seems to drive you mad. Well, I'm suggesting that you can change that by intentionally putting some songs up there so that you can sing along and actually learn to live by the songs. Because, believe it or not, the Psalms say that he has put a new song in our heart. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I cried out. He heard my cry. He lifted me up from the slimy clay, set my feet on a rock, and put a new song in my heart. So even for non-singers, it's really nice to have a song in the heart. Now, I do sing, but no one's usually around because they laugh at me, but I don't really care. I, I don't seem to be able to keep a tune unless someone's with me. That's why I like it when the musos get up here and help me sing in tune. But regardless of that, I have a song in my heart. And uh, there's new songs and there's words and I make them up sometimes in the car or in the shower or when no one is around. So psalms to live, sing. Psalms to live by, to sing. Because we've got 150 psalms in the Bible, 150 of them, and they basically were songs. And the songs are amazing because sometimes they're just sheer complaints. Oh no, Lord, here I am again. Where on earth are you? I'm here and I'm miserable <laughs> because you haven't come to me. Can you imagine us singing that on a Sunday night? Now someone could put that to music with a little bit of, you know, woe is me kind of music. But that kind of thing they actually sung. One third of the psalms are called complaint songs. Now, did you know that God likes to hear you complain? I don't, but God does. <laughs> so don't bring your complaints to me. Just take them straight to God, okay? So we're going to learn bits and pieces about psalms. I decided that if I could only have one book of the Bible with me, for the rest of my life, I'd take the Psalms. Because they remind me about who God is. They allow me to be very honest and raw and to say it as it is. To say to God, this is how I feel today. Where are you? Or to say, God, I really love you. I'm praising you. Or sometimes just to be silent. And sometimes they can say, I don't understand what's going on. Why on earth is this happening? And it reminds me that my God is faithful. My God is good and kind and generous. And so I get all that stuff from the Psalms. Now the Psalms, I mentioned that songs, songs are usually poetry. Poetry is in our understanding a little bit different. They don't rhyme and they were written in Hebrew. By the way, someone's down there with a Hebrew shirt on. They asked me to read it tonight and it it says Harley Davidson. <laughs> it really does. Doesn't it? Down the back, Harley Davidson in Hebrew. Anyhow, because in translation we lose a lot of the fun things that they did with the Psalms. Sometimes they started 
for instance, Psalm 119 has 20 or so sections, and every section, like the first eight verses start with the letter A, and the next eight start with B, and the next start with C, except it's the alphabet, not ours. Sometimes they're alliterated. Sometimes they um, have a play on words. It's fun. But mostly, what you have to understand is a word I'm going to introduce you to about the Psalms, and it's called parallelism. It's pretty easy for gymnasts because you have parallel bars, you know, two bars like that that you're supposed to do things on. Well, Psalms... The poetry is parallelism. So it has one line up here, and it might say, Oh God, I put my trust in you. That's pretty simple. And the next line might say, My hope is in my God. It's saying exactly the same thing, but in a different format. And it usually has exactly the same emphasis and the same amount of syllables in the Hebrew, not necessarily in the English. That's how their poetry works. Now, sometimes it is similar, like the one I gave you, Oh God, I put my trust in you, my hope is in my Lord. That's similar kind of parallelism. Sometimes it is the opposite. So if I said, Oh Lord, I put my trust in you, what would be a line that would be opposite? Oh God, I'm not putting my trust in Steve. Or you, or you, or a human, okay? So it's the opposite. Uh, so that helps you. Now the other hard thing about the psalm is, the thing about poetry, you do poetry at school sometimes? Sometimes it's a little bit hard because the language is what we call picture language full of metaphor and simile. You know all those words? This is like an English lesson, isn't it? How boring. We'll get to the good stuff in a minute. But never mind, stay with me. It's picture language. And so sometimes you've got to get the picture. And so it says, As a deer pants after the water, so my heart pants after God. So you see how it's a picture there? So you've got this deer... <laughs> Wanting some water? So my heart is panting after God. So that's poetry of the Psalms. Psalms to live life. It's poems. It's picture language. It's not rhyme, but it is poetry. And it was sung. And one third of them, nearly all, over a third of them actually, are complaints. Isn't that interesting? Did you know there was a complaint part in the Bible? You can go there and make your complaints. So the most other thing I want to say about it before we actually study one of them or talk about one of them and find God in the psalm for tonight is that they are actually there to give us orientation for our life. They're there to show us the way we should go. And Psalm 1 introduces the idea about the two ways. Although Proverbs says there's a way that seems good to humans and there's a way that is good to God. And so these two ways are presented and it says in the psalm that the person is blessed. That, when you read that word blessed, just say enriched. That person has the smile and pleasure and wonder of God on them. Isn't that wonderful? 
So you want that? I want it. Blessed, enriched, happy is the one who puts his or her trust in God. And that way is a way where there's meditation day and night on the word of God and there is obedience of following that way. And that way leads to pleasure. That way leads to the blessed life, to righteousness. And it's given a picture again of a tree that has fruit all the time. It's a prosperous tree. And so it's a picture of what our life is like if we follow that way, that orientation. And the other way, it says, is a way of destruction and a way that leads to death. And we know that Jesus said, this is why I love the Psalms, because it's always part of what teaching there about what we know about Jesus. We know that Jesus said, I am the way. Now, I find that very interesting. There's lots of pictures about Jesus in the Bible. There's one about a gate. Remember, he said, I'm a gate. Come through, John 10. And sometimes that's a little static, yeah, I come through, I come into the presence of God, I'm now a child of God. But I like the picture of I am the way because that means as I journey through this life, as I go along the way, Jesus is with me all the time. Now that's one of the reasons I love the Psalms. I love them because I'm never alone. I read them and it tells me that others have gone before. It also tells me that on this way, God and his spirit, or which we or Jesus, and others like you are there. See, the Psalms weren't meant to be read at home 20 minutes in the chair. You know that idea? They weren't meant to be like that. They were meant to be as we sang tonight, coming together. They're communal. They're together psalms. So together we sing our complaints. Together we sing our praise. Together we come. And together we praise and sing. So it's a community. And so the psalms teach me that I'm never alone. So there's some of the reasons I love the psalms. But most of all, I love the psalms because the psalm says, Sandy Heart, you don't have to pretend you can say, here I am again, God. I've mucked up. Here I am again, Lord, and I feel as though oh, life is just hard at the moment. Where are you, Lord? I feel abandoned, I could say. I feel rejected. I feel alone. I'm allowed to say all that. I'm allowed to say it as it is is and I don't have to pretend. Don't you like that? Now, when I come to the Psalms, I have to realise that two things are happening all the time. Two things. That's pretty simple. Two things, two ways. One God. Okay, and the first thing that we have to remember is that the Psalms talk about who God is. I call that the reality of God. Now, if I said to you, who is God? What would you shout at me? Come on. God is faithful. Love. Love. Yell him out. I can't hear. I'm half deaf. He's all of that and more, isn't he? 
God is good, God is kind, God is faithful, God is a rock, God is a refuge, God is a salvation. God is everything. He's redeemer, he's all this kind of stuff. I know that in my head. You know that in your head? You can recite it all, can't you? So all of that is truth that you've learned about God. And it is truth about God and it's true as to who he is. That's who he is. That's his reality. But sometimes it doesn't feel like that. So on this side, I have my reality. I don't feel today as if I really do belong to God. I don't feel like I want to go to church today. I don't feel as I want to go to connect group. I don't want to sing. I feel pretty miserable. I feel sad. I feel down. I feel rejected. I don't feel as if I belong. I don't feel. That's my reality. You got it? So sometimes I've got my reality, which is strong, my reality, which feels very, very real. And I've got this reality over here about God. And so I'm sitting here and thinking, oh yeah, I know that God is love, but he doesn't love me. Let me tell you something. When I was a child, I was sent to Sunday school and church, and I didn't ever believe that God loved me. So I used to sit in the things, and I'd sing songs like, God loves, and I'd write, everyone around me, but not me. And sometimes I could not cope with the fact that I didn't know, couldn't understand it. I didn't believe that God loved me. I would add the numbers up. They used to have the hymn numbers up on a board. I'd just add them up and play games with all these numbers because I didn't know that God loved me. I could tell you. I could tell you memory verses. I could tell you about this God, but I hadn't experienced him. But when I come to know him and follow in his way, I can still feel like that. Is that true for you? That your reality sometimes is in conflict with the God you know? True? Yeah. Let's be true, honest. That's what the Psalms are like. David said it, and David was King David the Great. He said it. So it feels like that. And so the Psalms are always there inviting us to move. There's a movement of emotion and then a movement of trust. And I call it the bridge of trust, moving from my reality into God's reality and God moving from who he is into my reality. And so I call this the bridge of trust. It's an invitation to believe what is true and what I know is true, even though I feel that it's not true. You got that? And so I can go over here and I say, oh, God, I know you're good. I feel as if my life is falling apart. Lord, I know that you are love, but how can I belong? And so I go backwards and forwards between these two realities. And this is what the Psalms invite us to do. They say, I want you to declare with your mouth, in song, if you like, what you know about God. Declare it. I know your head knows it. Your heart may not know it yet because there's a long journey to go from here down into the depth of my being. But declare it. Say you are good. 
Yes, he says. You are a God of love. Come on, yes. You are all-powerful. You are for me. You are my God. Are you there yet? So you declare these things. Even though at this stage you are still feeling that you can't. And as you declare it, something can happen inside. So tonight I want to just go through a psalm with you. We're going to have the psalm written up there. Psalm 31. Read this psalm every day for a week and see what happens. So have we got it up? In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. That's the first phrase of what we call the lament psalm or the psalm of complaint. It's addressed to the Lord. Usually it has an address. Lord, very simple address. doesn't go, Lord, great and mighty God, Father of all being, almighty creator God. You know, all the strings of the names, you know, it's just straight into it. Lord, and you have taken refuge. That's a statement at this stage, a declaration of trust. As we go through the psalm, we'll discover that the reality of the psalmist is here and he knows that God is a refuge. So he's saying, God, I'm putting my trust in you. I'm taking you as my refuge. You got it? And then the next part, there's a little plea. A plea, pleading for God, a petition. And he says, deliver me <laughs> in your righteousness. Look at it. Deliver me. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly. Be my rock. Be the strong fortress. Since you are a rock and a fortress, I know that, I know that. And look at this little line. For the sake of your name. Is that called blackmail? <laughs> oh. Do you know what he's really saying? Because really, God, we have come into a relationship. You are my God and I am yours. It's called a covenant relationship. Okay? And he's appealing to the faithfulness of God. The covenant, this is not blackmail. This is trying to say, this is who you are. I know it, even though I don't feel it. I know it that I'm a child of God. I know who you are. So that is covenant loyalty, appealing to the relationship that, they, that he has. So he says, turn your ear, come. And then he just says, into your hands, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I find that the most incredible prayer ever. When all else fails... And I'm feeling this, and you're there. All I can say as I walk this bridge, have it. <laughs> Here it is. Into your hands. I commit my spirit. But he's still pleading. What does he say straight after that? Deliver me. And, he says, the de declaration is there. What is it? My faithful God. Can you see what's happening to him? Moving across this journey of prayer. This journey of moving from how I feel about what's going on in my reality and what's happening here. So then we come to the next section, six to eight. He says, I hate those that cling to earth worthless idols. He's allowed to say that. He doesn't have to be correct in the presence of God. 
He can tell, he can really say it. Lord, I'm really struggling about my enemies at the moment. I really hate them. Do you know why he can say it? Come next week and hear Danny preach and you'll get the full story there. But never mind, just he's allowed to say it. Isn't that amazing? He's saying, I hate. And uh, then he's making a vow. Be careful about vows. But this vow is the kind of vow that God likes. The vow says, I will be glad and I will rejoice in your love. For, now he's speaking about God's reality. You saw my affliction. He's talking about the future. And you knew the anguish of my heart. You have not given me into the hands of my enemy, but you have set my feet in a spacious place. And so he's saying, when all this is over, when my heart and my reality connects again and anew with you, I'll come and I'll be the first there Sunday night and I'll be standing up the front and I'll be singing and rejoicing. That's what he's saying. I'll be in the congregation and I will declare my praise. That's the vow he's making. That's the trust he's got, even though he's still miserable in his own things. So next verse is a plea. Be merciful to me, Lord. See how simple it is? I love this. God is always merciful. He cannot not be unmerciful. Okay? Mercy. When you've got no words to pray and when you don't know how to pray for yourself or anyone else, you say, Lord, be merciful. Thank you. I have this little picture about mercy. I believe mercy is all over this room, okay? Grace and mercy is all there, and it's hitting you. It's hitting you. It's touching you, and all you have to do is grab it, okay? That's the picture I have. I told you it was Psalms I love. It's picture language. I picture God's mercy here like rain just coming down. Paul actually wrote in Timothy, to Timothy, he said, God's Mercy kissed me. That's a translation of it. Isn't that lovely? So open your arms and heart wide and grab hold of this mercy. It's there. Grace. Grab hold of it. Good on you. Great. So that's the plea. Now, the next part is what we actually find. Here comes his complaint. Wait for it. Can you imagine singing this? You can put this to music. Is that all right? I'm in distress. (laughs) I won't sing it. Uh, My eyes are weak with sorrow. Too much crying. My soul and my body with grief. I'll read it from here. My soul is consumed with anguish. My ears are groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction. And my bones are growing weak because of my enemies. I am in utter contempt of my neighbours an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me, and I'm forgotten. As though I was dead, I have become like a broken pottery, for I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. That may have been true for David if this was written by David. We don't know that. It may be true for some people, but regardless of whether that's the truth 
for you or not. It's how we feel sometimes, isn't it? Friends, they used to be friends and now they're not. They don't even pretend to know me anymore. And so my reality, my reality, the reality in this psalm is distress, physical symptoms, consumed with anger, affliction, held in contempt, object of dread, forgotten, rejected, abandoned, and others are talking about me. That's quite a list, isn't it? Here's the tension, my circle of tension here. This is my reality, God. This is the world I'm living in. I want to trust you, Lord, to enter my world and to bring something into my world. This is my disorientation now. I need you to give me direction and orientation along the way. Are you with me? You haven't lost your good. You're great. Well done. The next. Something's happening inside him. Because he's been able to speak the truth and exaggerate and use language and just say it as it is or how it feels and throw it all at God, he says, but I trust in you. Here, he's starting to move. There's a movement going on inside, deep into his inner being. I'll trust in you. I say, you are my God. You're my God. Wow. My times or the events and affairs of my life, because that's what it means there, is in your hands. Wow. You're my God. You've got my back covered. Deliver me from the hands of whoever my enemies are. Thank you. Thank you. Deliver me from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on me. Okay, grab the mercy, grab the grace. Let it all shine on me and save me in your unfailing love. This is much more trust. Can you see the element of trust there? Trusting, even though he's still pleading. Next verses, this is his real problem. What I read before was the complaint. You know, when people are complaining, you've got to go long enough with them to find out what the real problem is. Because the complaints are exaggerated, the complaints are out there, we've got to find the problem. Here's his problem. Don't let me be put to shame, Lord. For I have cried out to you, let the wicked be put to shame and be silence in the realm of the dead. Ha, what a prayer. Listen to Danny next week on that one. He's praying that his enemies will die. Let their lying lips be silenced. There's people lying about him. There's people with pride and contempt and they're arrogantly speaking against him. To put it in words for you, he's being bullied. Okay? People are saying stuff about him and making him feel ashamed. And so that goes deep inside where he feels rejected, feels abandoned, feels as if God and his friends has deserted him. Trouble is just gossip, lying, slander, stuff that's going on. He's named it. Next verse, pure trust. Here's now a statement of trusting. He's moved from his reality into God's reality. Or if you wanted to put it another way, God has allowed and come into his. And so that bridge has been 
brought together the two realities. And he says, how abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. Here is a treasure chest of the goodness of God. Mercy and grace and love and acceptance, satisfaction and joy and hope and all of this other stuff. Isn't that amazing? It's like a treasure chest. You open it up and it's new every morning. A treasure chest that is new every morning. You open it up and all of God's goodness is there. That's the promise. That's the joy. How good it is on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues, from all the slander, the gossip, the bullying, all that kind of stuff. And you keep them safe in your dwelling from the accusing tongues. <sighs> He's moved. And he now feels the refuge. So what he knew about God, you are my refuge, you are a rock, he now experiences this truth. And then he finishes. He invites everyone. He says, praise be to the Lord. He has shown me the wonders of his love. When I was like a city under siege, in my alarm said, I'm cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. That's the hope story from this psalm. That's the testimony. That's the God story for this person. And so then he just has this little call. He says to all you people in the last verses there, love the Lord your God. Love God. Love. All you faithful people, keep on loving. Keep on trusting. The Lord preserves those who are true to him. These are not just words. I know it, says the psalmist. I've experienced it. He pays back the proud in full. Be strong. Take heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. That, my friends, is working through a psalm of lament. Did you follow it through? The plea, the movement of trust, the complaints, the real problem, and coming to this statement of trust coming back to the congregation, being first there to sing praises and to give the message. Keep on keeping on. Trust in your God. He's well able to keep you. Let me pray for you. Thank you that you are our God. You are my God. You are God here, present. And your mercy and your grace, Lord, is filling this place available for all of us to reach out, put our trust, put our hope in you, and have your mercy and grace, love and goodness fill our lives. May that be true, Lord, for each of us, those who do feel a little left, abandoned, rejected, not part, not belonging, bullied at school, whatever, Lord, may it be that we learn to take the reality of who you are into our lives and let you touch our inner being. In Jesus' name we pray.